Okay, so I'd like to thank my friend Darrell Matten for coming in today to the Ballymundos Recovery Podcast. The Ballymundos Recovery Podcast is an initiative that started during September Recovery Month and because of popular demand, we are back doing it again. Um, so yeah, this is the first one since September and today is when we're going to be looking at trauma. I know Daryl has done a lot of work, um, research work on his road books around trauma um, and I'd like him to elaborate a little bit on that today so that maybe our listeners can get some type of knowledge or awareness around it and be able to, I suppose, um, get an understanding of what might be happening to them at certain stages of their life due to trauma. So, yeah, without further ado, this is a, a lifelong friend of mine. Actually, the two of us probably shouldn't be sitting here today, but we are. Um, we made it through the Ballymoon, the old Ballymoon, and it's a privilege to uh, actually witness Daryl in work and to, to know the achievements that he's accomplished um, and to know that he's my friend. So, yeah, Daryl, if you just want to say a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Jim, first of all, for inviting me to do this. It's a pleasure to uh, come out and speak. Um, and also going to have some type of audience who's actually willing to listen to me because uh, you know no one listened to me for a long time <laughs> <laughs> but yeah look as you said you know we grew up together I grew up in Ballymun I, I'm from Coltry I, you know I've lived in the courts the flats and, and, and the houses um, um, every time living out here um, yeah I, I, I guess um I, I, I've um, you know I've, I've worked out here I've I, you know I've, I've worked in the in, in the in the U club in the record with yourself, um, I've worked in different types of services over the years, and uh, I guess now where I'm at I kind of um, I, I work in research I, I do a lot of research um, I lecture um, I lecture on, uh, you know you're speaking about trauma there that's one of the areas that I kind of um, work in with regards to kind of lecturing and research as well as, you know, ex- experience across the wider kind of social inclusion areas, addiction, um, homelessness and, and, and that type of work. So, um, yeah, a little bit a little bit about where I'm coming from, I suppose. So, that's amazing. Um, and Daryl, is, he's, he's not really one for, you know, giving himself the big pump, but, you know, he's saying, oh, I've wrote and I've done a bit of research and stuff like that. But let's be realistic, mate. You know, for the boy who left school when he was at an early age, you're now just nearly finished your doctorate in in um, Minute College, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was halfway through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, You've wrote three books. You're on your third book. Yeah, yeah. You have your own business. <laughs> So can you discuss that a little okay. bit and don't, don't be selling yourself short here. Let our listeners know what you're really about. Uh, yeah, okay, all right. Um, yeah, look, I think, you know, as as as, as you said, um, I left school, at, you know, I was 10 when I was trying out of school and look at, you know, we, you know, you, you know me, but we have kind of similar lives and kind of travel the same path in, in that regards. Um, and a lot of the, um, you know, stuff we got caught up in as, 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 as younger kind of children and adolescents and, and then into adulthood. Um, but look at moving beyond that, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I started off, um, you know, doing some youth work and doing a course in youth work. And, you know, I struggled, you know, like anyone else. I remember actually doing my first assignment and I opened a laptop and up until that point, the only laptop I ever touched is one that I'd stolen. Yeah, I yeah. honestly didn't know how to work it. And, but, I, I, you know, I showed how to work it. And um, we were doing a kind of computer course in, tra- in the treatment centre that we were in. Um, but I, I came out, I went into that kind of course in the Liberties College, you know, a level five VTAC. It was a two-year course. Mm. Probably exactly what I needed to kind of help build me up. You, you know that way, yeah. but um, forced assignment. I, I I sat there with the laptop top on my lap, and I'm not even messing with you. I cried because I didn't know what to write on the page. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, um, so it's been a kind of journey over the last 10 years of just chipping away at things and yeah. building my capacity. I'm not t- some type of kind of genius or intelligence or whatever. I've, I, I, you know, I've, I, I've tried to learn something new, you know, every day or, you know, read and, and kind of build on what it is I've been doing. Um, but look, I suppose the point where I'm at to now where I, I, I come from, you know, across those years, as, as you say, look, I, 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 do, I do some research um I've, I've, I've published a book on um, trauma. Actually, the book is in my bag. Mark asked me to bring one out. You can have it. <laughs> all right. I was just about to publish a book um, next month. It's finished and all on a council, evidence-based counselling and psychotherapy. And um, yeah, a tour book I'm, I'm doing at the moment. It's actually on peer. It's about peers. You know, pe- pe- you know, groups of us with lived experience across various different areas from you know, that are working as peers currently um, across different kind of systems and with different kind of ethnicities and stuff like that. Um, as well as other kind of research on counselling and psychotherapy and, um, yeah, on, on trauma. There's the trauma book. I've, you know, some articles uh, as well on that, as well as, you know, doing some training and, and lecturing. Mm. Um, is that enough for you? Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I just didn't mind you selling yourself short there, you know. But look, you know, it is a, like I'm in a privileged position to know you um, and to know where you've came from and to know where you're at today. So for me, it's a really proud moment to say that, like, you know, your achievements have, you know, came to the forefront. And not only that, the amount of people that you help on the daily because of your research and your findings and your and your books, you know, you, you know that's countless people that you help and support. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just wanted you to let people know and um, be aware of that. Um, so I suppose trauma is really interesting, and that's what we're here talking about mm. today. And I know you worked in a lot of um, services in terms of um, substance abuse mm. and homelessness and mm. stuff like that. And I, and then you had your own journey. But why was trauma so um, important to you to to create that um, pathway for people to learn and be aware of it? Mm. Um, yeah, look, that's a kind of you know it's a layered question. Um, first of all, thank you for the compliment. There, I, I, I appreciate it as well. It means a lot. Um, okay, so trauma. I'm going to just really be kind of you know straight out and blunt with all this and about what I'm going to say as well. Um, I kind of first of all, I came across trauma, um, the work on trauma, and I was kind of um, being a bit ironic in the type of stuff I was doing with it. Okay, first of all, I just want to say that um, because look, if you look at trauma, what is it? It's the stress, okay? Um, but I think what has happened with the trauma movement is that, you know, it's become really, really popular. Um, um, uh, you know, sometimes probably a little bit too much so that everything is seen as trauma, okay? So I, I want to try and make sense of some of that, first of all, um, on a personal level, okay, what that meant to me, but also then on a, on a research and, and practice level. Um, so I start writing... And I start writing, you know, articles about it, and you know that accumulated uh, in, in, in writing a kind of a book on trauma-informed systems of care on organisations. How can we be responsive to trauma? Okay, and I guess a lot of that, um, my kind of motivation and around doing that, Jimmy, was that you know I've been through a huge amount of different systems in my life: prisons, you know, all hosts of social services. Um, you know, I've worked in organisations as well. And one of the kind of things that I've noticed when I reflect back on it, okay, is that um, a lot of these services, how they were set up, okay, um, you may even have well-intentioned people in, working in them, okay, who have passion and heart and, and are looking to help people. But even with those people, the setup of these systems um, is crucial, okay. Um, you know, a lot of them have been toxic, um, really, really, you know, you know, cultures within these systems, really, really poor, poorly run, um, and what happens then that affects 
the consumer, the person that, who's coming in to use the service, service okay? Yeah. Um, it affects the staff, yeah. okay? It's, you know, these type of toxic environments are really, really bad. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're much more prevalent than a lot of us think, you know what I mean? I'm sure all of us, you know, think of one organisation or systems that we've worked in um, that, um, you know, um, was running that way, okay? So I think that's the four, four under four points I'd want to make. Um, so the book, I suppose, and, 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 and the, actually the recent systematic review there that I published, I'm looking at it from an implementation, okay? So an ecological kind of perspective. What's happening in the wider system that can help us kind of make sense of trauma and, and, and help kind of communities and our organisations embrace this approach in a meaningful way yeah um, and this needs to start with leadership okay it needs to start with people at the top but also people at the bottom you know so it needs to be a top down and bottom up approach um, and, and that's what I've kind of been trying to make sense of over the last kind of couple of years with the research and training and I lecture as well in kind of a, a, a psychotherapy degree where I tra- tra- um, 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 lecture sorry on a, on a, on a, um, a trauma informed care module um, so that's kind of some of the stuff like on a wider level I suppose what the literature is kind of starting to kind of converge on as well is is, is that like at a population level you've come you're familiar obviously with aces and stuff like yeah. that okay you know they're research kind of tools they're not they're not really necessarily helpful for working with people okay um, and what they do is they look at stuff at a population level okay so you know people with four or more aces let's say would tend to kind of have certain life outcomes. Yeah. Um, that are worse health outcomes okay so four seems to be a key number there but let's not you know hold that as kind of a, a criteria or cut off but I think really what that that has done and what it's continuing to do is um, really bringing awareness around that you know when people are you know, in certain communities, I'm from or have, who have certain de- demographics. Because let's call a spade a spade here, okay? Yeah, everyone can, can can experience trauma, but if you have money in your back pocket, okay, that becomes a little bit more easy to kind of manage. You can, you know, you can have access services. You know, you'll have the social capital, you'll have financial capital, you might have a better education, okay? So that alludes to kind of you know the social determinants of health, um, and that's really where my a lot of my interest is, is in, okay? So trauma. In you know marginalised communities and uh, communities that are you know disadvantaged, and um, you know it tends to be you know it tends to be there a lot more because it's not just an incident that that's traumatic. Okay, so you know something like the ACE ch- checklist will talk about bereavement or you know a parent being on drugs or mental health. These are all you know they're you know they're, they're, they're difficult experiences for children. Okay, but trauma now is I try to understand it in a, in a broader broader sense and, and, and look at it from a more of a social determinants of health okay so you know experiences of poverty you know exclusion discrimination marginalization and um, all these factors that um you know they're there in the background the structural issues in, in society and communities but they have a heavy toll on a person now if you kind of add other more kind of um um, um, sinister aces, you know, like people have been experienced kind of maybe sexual abuse or you know have had had experiences like that. Uh, you know, they really kind of uh, start. You know, the manifestation then of trauma can be can be much more difficult. Okay, um, and that really you know can impact on, on a person's uh, as whole the whole life course across the lifespan. Mm. So it's it's fascinating that you you talk about that and the, and them type of groups that are marginalised. And I was at a conference yesterday. Um, a trauma and uh, quality standards, quality matters um, conference in Dunleary in the Royal, Mar- Royal Marine Hotel. <clears throat> and I suppose one of the things that really struck me at that conference was there was a young lady who got up to speak at it and she was from the travelling community. Mm. And she just put up a picture of young traveller kids 
with with like sentences of that what they've been described as and what they've been mm. told mm. and it really hit home for me mm. that like you know how is society not saying this how is people not picking up on this mm. you know so I just wanted mm. to make that point here mm. um, so I, I do get where you're, t- mm. where you're coming from in terms of like you know creating that safe um, kind of approach for mm. those who are traumatised from different um are being different, you mm, know, mm. Um, in society, mm. um, that structural uh, society. Um, that was my little waffle anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was but very good. It was, you know, it's very important what you're saying. And I actually kind of, I do some lecturing uh, on, on a degree where, a degree where I actually um, use the traveller to community to kind of illustrate a, a point of, of, of um, their life course outcomes mm. because of discrimination and structural discrimination. And, you know, to the point that you're talking about, well, people do see it. Okay, but the people who are um, 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 sign the checks and make the policies, okay, you know, they're, they're the people who can kind of really change this, and, yeah. and, and it needs for them to be on board. Just like for communities like this, and I was speaking about this earlier down at the at the talk I was given, um, is that um, you know, like poverty is probably one of the biggest factors in, in your life course outcome. Um, you know, people from and education, and you know, big people from let's say Dublin Six. Okay, you know the the, you know, the the amount of people that go on to further education, and um, from those areas is about ninety ninety four percent. If you look at you know like the Ballymun, Darndale, etc., you're talking about under twenty twenty percent. Okay, so you know what's wrong? Like people from these areas are not less intelligent. Okay, let's you know they're not less um, able or less bodied. You know what I mean? So why why does this happen? Why is it happening? You know, and we can tr- you can you can trace that back to like you know when Ballymun was first built. Like people were dumped in here without a resource. They had to walk a couple of miles to the nearest shop. There was nothing here. Okay, the government at the time denied that there was a drug problem or denied that there was criminality happening. Okay, now look at the marches and all happened and you know services started there. But you know that's really you know a reflection of what's going on at a policy level. Yeah. Okay, and that's the, the, those type of life chances then you know are much more difficult to actually develop you know the idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps you know but if you haven't got boots what are you going to do you know or even you know you're badly warm pair of boots how the hell are you going to pull yourself up so you know there is you know wider stuff going on there and political i don't want to get too political on the on the podcast either you know i have a tendency to kind of go down that that rabbit hole as well it's fascinating what you're talking about because Mm. i was at that conference yesterday and it was quite expensive to go to it and there was about I'd say there was about four to five hundred people at it easily. All practitioners, mm. all working in services mm. all over Dublin and Ireland. Mm. But there was no politicians at it. Yeah. yeah. Not one politician. You yeah. know, which really struck me because if you want to learn, you learn from the people who are on the ground doing it. You should be at these types of things and bringing that information back to a government where policy can be enacted around certain stuff, mm-hmm. especially around discrimination, um, equality, poverty, you know, the lack of opportunities, all these stuff. And they are tra- they, they cause trauma within people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose because this is a recovery podcast yeah. and because trauma is linked to um, addiction, what does recovery mean to you? It's a question we've asked all our um, guests um, when they come on, and, and it means so many different things to so many different people. It's so diverse. But what yeah. does recovery mean to you? Yeah. Okay. So um, this is a this is a bit of a complicated one for me. I've kind of I've had a different kind of view and our belief and relationship with it on, on my own journey. Okay. So I think, you know, recovery itself, just you know, as a descriptive kind of label. Okay. Um, you know, um, it, 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 I suppose it indicates that you're getting something back that you may have lost, 
Okay, so you're returning to a, a certain level of functioning or life quality of life for you know substance or whatever the, 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 the issue may be. Okay, and that's fine. Okay, that makes sense for a lot of people. You know, people you know turn to to substances or behaviours and they recover from that at different points in their in, in their life across their lifespan. Um, some people you know maybe towards the middle stage of their life, other people quite early. Um, so recovery kind of in that sense means that something's being kind of you know uh, you know taken back but there's other groups of people who started life taking drugs really like you know I'm talking about under 10 you know you know 7, 8, 9, 10 and, you know serious bloody chronic addictions from you know going into puberty okay and for a lot of these people that there is nothing to recover because it probably wasn't there in the first place okay Jimmy um, so you know for, for me um, you know I probably more identify with kind of you know um, that that kind of um, idea of reco- of recovery that you know it's not about kind of getting the stuff back but it's about learning new stuff that was never there in the first place that probably kind of um, you know exacerbated the reasons why someone actually kind of you know take drugs and that makes sense for me and um, I'm not saying you know the word recovery is, is is fine for other people but the other key point I'd like to kind of um, um, impress as well to kind of people listening and I'm sure look, I'm probably speaking to the court at this stage that's not about kind of abstinence or um, you know abstaining from from you know from the behaviour or the substance um, I, 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 I don't I, you know I, I don't tend to kind of um, you know hold beliefs that you know recovery is about getting um, drug free um, so for me it's about someone having a meaning, meaningful quality of life that they may never have had mm. or they may have got back after uh, uh, having a kind of a problematic relationship with a substance or, or, or behaviour, um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, definitely. No, thanks for that. Um, I suppose because this is a recovery podcast and a lot of your work is in trauma. Um, you know, do you see? Like, I know, you know, st- statistically they say there's a link of from trauma to addiction. And have you noticed that? Because I know you've worked in both ends and both fields yeah. at different times in yeah. your in your life. Yeah, I have absolutely have, um, and I'll illustrate that with a couple of points as well. Um, I think trauma is relative, okay. So the the the, the, the you know I I talk about the three years, okay. So you know the the the, the event, the experience, and the effect, okay, and that's very subjective, okay. So for what may kind of be traumatic for one person may not actually be traumatic experienced as a trauma for someone else and that's really the and I think that's the one of the fundamental flaws for me in the whole trauma informed and ACE movement is that they're talking about experiences okay and those experiences don't necessarily translate to trauma at the, at the population level and when you aggregate and throw everything into the one pot well then you know you can make sense of it that way but at a personal level it's not overly helpful because you know um, take for an example um, um, I think there's, there's, there's an ACE um, where you know if you lost a parent in, in childhood absolutely that's going to impact you hugely but you know grief is a universal experience Okay, so you know to say that that's traumatic is not necessarily the case. It might be an adverse event, obviously. But look, I think if the support's there for the child, mm-hmm. likewise, you know, if something else is in the home, maybe you know a parent has an addiction issue or a mental health, that can usually you know destroy a child's life. But again, if there's other people around, or an other parent that's supportive, that can ha- actually help mitigate against some of these kind of you know the, the, the exp- experiences <coughs> and expressions of trauma. And um, so I just wanted to kind of say that. But yeah, absolutely, you know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying there because, mm. you know, for one rule for me, it's not the same rule for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife lost her, her father from a very, very mm. early age and she mm. never ended up on substance or anything mm. like that. Yeah. It was probably a traumatic experience for mm. her, but it never, 
came out in her behaviour, came mm. out in a substance. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She did. She dealt with it. She had people around her mm. that were able to support her through that. Whereas I know people who have lost parents and it really, you know, consumed their life. You know, you know, it was so traumatic for them that yeah. they couldn't cope with the pain or um, the grief. You know, so mm. yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're kind of taking into consideration there the wider kind of context as well as the person's maybe personality and, and coping capacity. Um, I think look at some of the other more you know the, the, the more insidious stuff okay the stuff that happens really early in life with attachment wounds that's you know you, you know it's usually you know um, you know problematic um, you know it's all, and I suppose one of the reasons why politicians don't want to come, kind of probably come into this space is because trauma has become a kind of wicked problem for society that you know there doesn't seem to be kind of any answers to to a, to a great extent um, but I've worked with look I've worked with people um I've worked with Jesus. I just think now, you know, I've had clients when I was working as a as an addiction counselor and therapist. You know, I've had people come in to me, and that this actually challenged my kind of ideas around some of this stuff. Like people come in to me who are on, you know, hundred grand salaries. Okay, I had a teacher come in to me. Okay, um, I'm not going to say too much now. Obviously, kind of confidentiality. But I had a teacher who used to come in to me who was the shoplift. Um, you know, so I kind of had a variety of clients. But then on the other end of that, I had people who are sleeping outside the GPO on the cold concrete yeah. and you know it's just it's the inter- there's an idea um, you probably came across the term intersectionality it's often used for kind of privilege and oppression okay it's a kind of it's a framework used by an American um, around kind of you know race and, 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 and it's great for actually analysing this stuff but I actually think it's very f- pertinent as well to use to actually analyse tr- the intersection of traumas okay where you know a poverty and kind of you know abuse maybe kind of intersecting with some other traumas um, as opposed to maybe just a single incident, incident where, where you know that may be kind of stressful. But to kind of answer your point, yeah, I think I'm, I'd be hard pressed to kind of come across anyone who had an addiction problem that there was never kind of any underlying reason mm, for, for it. trauma. Yeah, okay, because yeah. you know the, people may take drugs recreationally, which is fine. Again, I you know I'd no issue on that. Mo- the, the majority of people take you know uh, who who use a substance never develop a kind of problematic relationship with that substance it's a small kind of minority that do and for, for those people you know I don't want to kind of generalise and say everyone has traumas or you need to mine for trauma but you know there's often kind of underlying stuff there that kind of you know um, um, makes that um, 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 experience worse yeah and I suppose that's in your research of a wider kind of global kind of national kind of framework but I suppose looking at the Ballymun community mm. um, addiction has cast a long dark shadow over the Ballymun community since the early 80s and continues to do so yeah. um, and once you were taught is that for people on drugs and alcohol it's the self-medication theory yeah. um, um, which suggests that they develop co- ways of coping by using drugs mm. or substance mm. or mm. alcohol mm. Um so, rather than having meaningful relations, social relationships. So, yeah. I mean, what 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 is your um, point on that? Oh, what look, you, what's your opinion on yeah, that? Yeah, look, I agree with what you're saying, hundred percent. I could probably speak all day on this, but you know, to, you know, to keep kind of keep it short. Um, I think first of all, you know, you talk about you know self medicating. Absolutely, you know, I'd be on board with that. Um, you, you actually mentioned something very important there: meaningful relationships, and with particularly with complex trauma. Okay, so look at this PTSD. You know, which is people. You know, we probably kind of um, understand that as um, shell shock. You know, soldiers going to war, someone seeing, seeing a car crash, or someone being shot, or having a one-off incident where they were attacked, maybe or something. Okay, that's PTSD. Complex PTSD is a total different. 
ball game altogether. It's you know it's it, it it's 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 often happens in childhood or kind of you know in relation. It happens in relationships. It's relational and it affects your sense of self. You know your attachments of your young child, how you feel about yourself, and um, your ability to regulate your emotions is really a core part of it as well. You see people who kind of explode and get really angry and and, and stuff, or tend to be kind of quite kind of you know angry a, a lot as well. Um, so yeah. And, but it's the meaningful relationships piece that I want to pick up on there because that type of trauma where it happens in interpersonal relationships, particularly when it's in the family home mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff happens behind closed doors, Jimmy, you yeah. know, that we, we'll never hear of as well. Yeah, or stuff that happened in kind of institutes and whatnot. You know, the ability to relate to another human being, to trust the person, to speak to them, um, to feel safe around them. So, you know, with the trauma-informed kind of movement, a lot of it is around kind of, you know, feelings of safety. And kind of, that's greatly diminished with people who have experienced ongoing kind of stuff, mm-hmm. the complex traumas. So yeah, those meaningful relationships can be, re- you know, they, 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 you know, the meaningful relationship happens with the substance. Yeah. Okay, that's that person's way of kind of managing and coping that. And you take that away, and then you know you're, you're left with a person need to do a lot of work on themselves to to be able to kind of have those social relationships where they feel safe enough to to be around people. So it's yeah, it's look, it's hugely hugely difficult. Yeah. Um, on the piece on Ballymun and. You know, again, I just, you know, you know it, it's just, you know, it, 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 it's heartbreaking. You know, from this is something that's been here since like early 80s, as you've said, okay? We had the epidemic. Then we had the other epidemic when me and you were growing up and yeah. we were 14, 15. And, you know, 14, that, 14. To, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that that was our time, mm. so to speak. Um, but look at I think people were thrown into this community, as I said, and I don't want to keep going on about it, we're not, not a lot of resources and had to make kind of sense of what was happening okay we nothing you know we like we very little and the community had very little there well, was, when know, we were growing up there was nothing here wasn't there no, no there was Absolutely yap not. over there okay there was yap in the in, in the granny flat yeah. and I remember being in that playing pill when I was about yeah. 13 yeah, yeah. Um, there was nothing the, the, the red brick wasn't there none of the services and you know what but it's, but it's more than that and this is the th- I want to get to a, an important point here as well it's that under kind of undercurrent trauma that I was talking about the social determinants of health okay you know, you're in this community, you're walking out your door and you're stepping over people who are injecting, okay? And look, at the, that, that's reality, you know, there's robbed cars flying around, there's shootings happening, okay? You don't feel safe in that. Yeah. But the, the, the point I want to make is, is that, like, you know, how do you have aspiration and hope and a vision for something for yourself when you're caught in that and, you know, you're trying to worry about putting your food in your table or sending your children to school? Okay, mm-hmm. these are real traumas. Um, and, you know, something that really sticks with me and I'll always remember, you know, from being from Ballymun, is that, like, you know, you are, you are told to change your address if you wanted to go for a job. Yeah. And this is by the people at the Bleeding Job Centre. God yeah. bless them, they're great people. But, you know, that's so that's wrong. You know, yeah. it's fundamentally wrong, okay? It's that, but what happens then is, you know, you take on a certain kind of, you know, society. Persona, you know, don't Persona, you? a yeah. complex, okay? Yeah. I know you had it, okay? Yeah. It's like a shame and, you know, an embarrassment about who you are and where you're from, okay? Yeah. Um, what's the other one? You know, DCU down the road. They go and change their address. Yeah. You know, I'm writing that. I, mean, I think I'm always writing that. You know, they, they changed from Ballymont to Glasnevin at some point a long time ago. Um, but, you know, know. What, me, what message, and, you know, the news and the papers, and what message is that given to people in the community? Okay, it gives, it's the message that you internalise then from these people who are oppressing you, basically, mm-hmm. and politics, okay? Because it's easy for the politicians to blame it on the people. You know, they, you know it's, 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 it's your issue to sort out, and that's not the case, okay? So, um, you know, that's really wrong. And I think, and conquer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's really, really wrong. And it's a pre- it oppresses a group of people. But then, you know, that's internalised. 
you know, it's a stigma. It's internalized by the person, and then you know, ultimately, it comes down on how you feel about yourself. You know, and, and your life chances, and, and you know that that re- I, you know, I've only really been reflecting that on that over the last couple of years, really, and it's something that actually you know it makes me very very angry. Well, it's funny you should say that, and I'm going to give you a funny story which happened yesterday at this um, the conference over in. Um, Dunleary, um in the Royal Marina Ho- Hotel. If anyone who knows that hotel, it's a fancy hotel and it's top draw. Yeah. Mm. So mm. me, Jimmy Bell, as a practitioner, <laughs> rocks over there yesterday. Yeah, in a pair of jeans and a Columbia jacket. You know, um, <laughs> and I stood out like a sore thumb. And I walk walk through the door as you do. But this is stuff that you know the trauma, that PTSD, that not sense of belonging, or you know, want, uh, being. Uh, the right to be there mm. still lingers in my life okay. at different stages yeah, of course, yeah. so I rocked up and there was loads of people fancy dress looked great you know suits the whole shebang dresses the lot and I rocked up in the jeans and the Columbia jacket and I got I, I, I done my swipe at the door and the girl let me in but I got up a few feet and another girl came running over to me she said eh, he, sorry can I help you and I was like yeah I'm here for the conference yeah and she was like eh, did you swipe your ticket and I was like yeah I swiped it with that girl there and it just like was a real like they forced impression of me was a real he's not he doesn't he's not right here you know mm. and that kind of you know that thought process mm. in her and then in me because it inflicted something in me because I was a little bit hurt by it you know Absolutely. I walked into the conference then feeling a little bit hurt you know by by her actions and maybe she was asked to do it, I don't know maybe she was a nice person or maybe she was just checking but I felt uncomfortable then yeah you know and, yeah. and that's the stuff that you're talking about it you is know? yeah, yeah. And i suppose because we're talking about ballymun and we know that you know trauma looms in this community mm. from the early 80s because mm. of the stuff that's going on and, and mm. the issues that happen in it and yeah. um, but there's starting to become a, a huge movement um, mm. around trauma-informed community here in mm. Ballymun and people are starting and services are starting to come together to try and support people using a trauma-informed model. Good. Um, mm. So I, I suppose, do you have any kind of, I suppose, advice or uh, any type of knowledge, I suppose, even any type of thinking around the, I suppose the best way historically we could do that and, and it could be meaningful to the people you know yeah I think your you know your last point there being meaningful yeah. is the key point okay so that's that that needs to be kept at the forefront and um, I would say um after that I would say involving the community okay what I see and um a, a lot of the time is that um you know these kind of consultants are brought into communities you know, and that doesn't need to happen because the people are in the community already out here to do this, okay? There's people like you, you know, there's people like the people you work on on the Easy Street team, there's people in other services all around Ballymun and people from, they're from, a lot of them are from Ballymun. They don't have to be, but there's other people then working in service who have given their lives to Ballymun, you know, they're working 10, 20, 30 years in the area, okay? They're the people, okay, that can drive this, okay? It's, you know, it. what we're talking about when we're talking about development, a community, an organisation, or indeed a community, you know, we're talking about it's a culture change, okay? It's a change, fundamental change in the way systems do their day to day, nine to five business, okay? So, and that can be usually complicated and it's going to take years, okay? So, this type of change, you know, it takes a long time. Um, but you need people who are value based behind that, okay? Who have the, you know, the, you know, they have the values of the community. They have the values of, you know, the trauma informed worker and the services, how they want it to be done, okay? And they need to champion that. Okay, and um, they need to be supported 
fundamentally, you know, because this, you know, it's a long process trying to change something like that. And, and, and you know, they need to be supported, they need to be protected, etc. Um, so that's that's my first point, okay? Um, ultimately, it's about connection, okay? So, you know, connection is, is really, really important. Um, and I can remember walking into some services, okay, as a client, okay? Not in Ballymun, you know, but, but in services in general. And just being terrified. And I'm talking about I'm a grown-ass man, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it's about the, 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 the how the service is, is delivered, how it's done, the tone, you know, the value base that's driving, okay? That's very, very important and in and around connection. Um, and after that, I would say, um, and this is not necessarily kind of linear or, you know, um, I'm not writing things here, I'm just kind of, you know, um, thinking off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's, it's supporting those people, but collectively really, it has to be done as well. Collectively, it? you know, you need your look at. I, I, I have a paper there. People can kind of you can put it up with this podcast if you want on implementing it. I only published there last week, and it looks at that, and that's fine, okay. But I would say the most trauma-informed thing Bally Munk can do is to try and bloody help lift people out of poverty, yeah. okay. Now that's a wicked problem. That's a political problem, okay. And um, it comes back to you know it comes back to tax and b- bases and building people's capacity through education. So you know this needs to be looked at as not an intervention, okay. And uh, you know I, I say that because there's a lot of clever people out there marketing a lot of bullshit. To be honest, you know what I mean? It's trauma informed. You know, waving your finger at someone who's bloody experienced in poverty and can't get that child into school or you know put runners on a child's feet is not going to help, okay. So this you know if if it's to have a me- be meaningful as you spoke about. You know, it's about kind of, and this is going to probably only happen over generations, but the problems have occurred through intergenerational stuff, okay? So, you know, there needs to be a realistic kind of, you know, t- not even a time frame. I wouldn't say be putting time frames on something like this at the community level, it, but it's about kind of changing the way business is done and really looking at what it is people need. Not from a care plan point of view and stuff, which may be important for certain families, okay? But, you know, what is it the community needs as a whole to kind of, you know, to lift it out of kind of having people... Like you can't, why would you blame people for going out and selling drugs in the street? Okay, when, you know, they may not have any education. It's what they see in growing up. Um, now, look, I'm not saying there's no responsibility there. It also needs to be responsibility. But you can understand why people live their life that way if they have nothing. And, the, you know, the aspirations and the vision and the hope for the future is not there. You know, yeah. people want a stake in society. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's understandable. But, you know, if you're not born in Dublin 6 or Dublin 4 or, you know, born into some type of privilege where you can get the, you know, it's the natural progression is that you're expected to go to school, go to college and go out and get a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not always kind of instilled. And that's, mm-hmm. It does happen in Ballymun. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it happens. But I'm just saying, you know, you know that it's not always instilled in everyone. And, you know, that's the type of stuff that can be meaningful and make meaningful differences to people, Jimmy. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think just um, reflecting on my own journey, um, you know, I, I I knew nothing. You know, I was taught nothing. You know, mm-hmm. I came from a home where my ma worked really hard and mm-hmm. my dad drank all the money. You know, and and it was a Same. struggle. You know, mm-hmm. and anything I learned was really off the street. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't I didn't know how to deal with emotion. Mm-hmm. I was traumatized, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to express that or mm-hmm. deal with that. Mm-hmm. And it was only later when I came off the substance and went into treatment, yeah. and they talked to me about emotions and feelings. And other people within the group talked about emotions and feelings that I started to establish um, a different dictionary on emotions mm. um, and I started to realise that I'm actually alright I'm not a bad person Yeah, I've just been struggling with this this and this mm. um, just like Joe Bloggs over there or Joe Soap over there and I was able to then internalise that 
and then to express that better mm. um, rather than using anger or using because yeah. the two emotions I really had were anger and, and sadness you know yeah. and I used them all the time and, and, I, and I took substance to block that out yeah absolutely so yeah I, I think definitely if we can you know start at the roots at the ground level and be able to give young, young people you know a more um resilience build resilience within them from mm. an early age that you know these issues not saying that will it will help them all some of them might still fall victim of it but it might be able to support it a little bit, a little bit better absolutely yeah. and i think just to, just to follow up on, on kind of what you're saying there i think it's really important that kind of services understand so there is an important piece around educating people around trauma and then there's a whole approach about implementing it into a service okay and that takes time I would say, you know, members of the community need to be part of that and they need to be on any type of committees. And I know Ballymun is quite good at, at that type of stuff anyway. You know, it, it, you know, there's great services here and really well-meaningful people who are doing great jobs. So it's, I'd be saying latching onto those people and bringing them on board, okay, to drive it is, is really important. But for services, and back to the point I was making, um, you know, it's, you know it's, it's understanding that a lot of the behaviours that people are coming into services with are their attempt to kind of protect themselves. Okay, people aren't coming into your service to be a prick and you know cause trouble or hurt people or whatever the case may be. There's you know un underlying stuff there, often back to emotional regulation and people trying to attempt to feel safe. But equally, you know, services need to kind of realise that that a lot of the behaviours that may you know I suppose take addiction for an example. You know, addiction was really kind of still is done. I probably had probably moved on a little bit from this, but a lot of addiction work was really um, done really badly and really traumatising where you're putting people into a, you know, the middle of a group of people in a group room on a chair and, and shaming them, okay, mm -hmm. for kind of stuff that we now can kind of make more sense of with trauma. Now, that still happens. Um, so, you know, it's about being kind of conscious of, of that, that, you know, there's a whole host of behaviours that a person may kind of use that, um, can frustrate services and practitioners. Let's you know. Let's let's be honest here as well. Practitioners need to be minded as well within the service, and that's mm -hmm. the importance of a system level awareness, kind of approach. You know, yeah. That, and that trauma informed approach will have that awareness within the practitioner, but yeah. also yeah. being able to you know support the the service users coming into the door. Absolutely, and that's you know that's kind of really what it's all about. Really, at the end of the day, supporting people who are coming in the door and realizing that you know it's it's, it's you know. It, you know, people setting foot in a, into a service for the first time can be usually frightening. And, yeah. and you know, we forget that as well, practitioners. Well, I remember my first time, and I was petrified. Yeah. Sweating. Yeah, sitting on the know. bench. Yeah, oh, I was sweating. I was like, what's going to happen here? Yeah. I didn't know what yeah. to expect. Yeah. Like, I was in that fight or flight mode. I was mm. like, I need to leg it. Like, yeah. I need to get out of here, man. Like, you know, yeah. um, I was petrified. Yeah. But I suppose that conference that I was at yesterday, you know, there was some really good stuff talked about at it, but there was two people that really stuck out um for me at it and one of them was a man who was very honest and he said he said I am consciously practicing practicing trauma informed um, relationships now in the work that I do mm -hmm. he said but I'm walking he said 30 years but I'm walking 40 years mm -hmm. he said so for the first 10 years he said I was re-traumatizing people mm -hmm. he said I was trying to deliver trauma and I said uh, trauma informed work mm -hmm. but I was actually re-traumatizing people mm -hmm. because I wasn't self-aware of what I was doing yeah. he said but as I kind of developed my, my trauma experience and how to deal with people I became better and able to support them in that and that's a fear for me mm. that's a fear for me as a service provider okay. what do I say if I say something wrong yeah. 
where is that going to be? Because we don't know the person that steps through the door, yeah. can, what type of stuff they're carrying. You yeah. Know? yeah, can I just, okay, so I, yeah, look, you made a really, really good point. I think we probably speak about it in the article or the book at some point. Um, look, at, I, I, I think the idea of trauma-informed care is that, you know, we're, we're developing our system in this way because, you know, um, um, statistically there's a chance that a lot of the people most of the people probably coming into our service have experienced a range of adverse childhood effects and or later effects you know it's not just stuff that happened in childhood it could be happening in a domestic violent relationship you know etc you, you get my point but you know to really peel this back Jimmy the core trauma informed work yet yeah, there's the knowledge about how trauma affects a person but anything after that should be really well kind of um, you know the fundamental skills you have you should have anyway regardless of trauma as a practitioner okay so your ability to listen to a person and to their story and to empathize and connect and show compassion okay um, and something that I hear a lot actually it, it came up in the, one of the lectures I was giving in college there the other night about kind of that idea of oh we're going to re-traumatize people generally that's very unlikely to happen and yeah. statistically it doesn't happen to a lot of people okay it happens in the really the really bad one services you know that I was talking about earlier where yeah. put the shame in people yeah. they're seeing the problem as within the, the in the person because ultimately you know the trauma informed care in some way came about as a reaction to the medical model and the medical model says you know the person has the problem so disordered dysfunction um, um, all these kind of words are used to describe something going on in the person but the trauma approach is you know in a broader context um, outside of that okay and, and, and that you know mental health you know the disorders are what are described as disorders are really a person's kind of it's a normal reaction to an abnormal experience okay mm-hmm. um, so I think if you're getting the fundamental skills right yeah. okay and you're willing to kind of listen and not you know enforce opinion and take it at a client's pace and stuff that practitioner should be doing yeah. anyway. Yeah. Okay, I think you're on to a you're on to, you're on to a winner. Yeah, you're doing well, very well. You know, thanks for that because that's how I walk. But you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> but like you know, it, you know, there is that fear that you yeah. don't want to, you know, because you know, people, you know, they have been through a lot in this community, and yeah. I, I don't want to be the last person to actually, you know, upset them further. Yeah. You know, I want to bring them on a journey of mm. hope and, and recovery and discovery, and you know, you know, to learn about themselves and to become independent. And, and, mm. and to develop their relationships through, through society and get mm. a balance on their life. Yeah. That's my aim, you know, yeah. and I think trauma-informed, being more trauma-informed um, as a community will help us to provide that for people. Um, um, but there is a lot of great work going on in, in, in the background. There's a lot of different subgroups that are meeting regularly mm. to try and establish a trauma-informed uh, community. And I know they've met with you recently to chat with you about your... Um, your kind of walk and stuff like that. I don't know where that went, but I know you you just had a chat and stuff like that. I suppose the other thing I just wanted to say there, which was which was vital yesterday, was that there's a girl walking in it and she's walking in it a long time and she said she's at the stage now. Like we're all talking about it. Hmm. We know it's existing. Yeah. But what have we got to do to make those people at the top hear us and understand us? Do we have to chain ourselves to the gates? Do we have to go out and buy locks and chain ourselves to the gates over there at the minister's houses and say, we want support with this? What have we got to do? Like, yeah. why, why, why do you think that that's not being heard? Yeah, look, I think it's a political question there that you're talking about. Um, um, I think there's, there's, a few, there's a few reasons. I think trauma is a wicked problem, um, a wicked, wicked social problem that, you know, the solutions, you know, aren't, all, you know, aren't very um, clear often okay that's the first thing I, I just want to say um, I, beyond that um, I think the people who make the policies and, and, and do all the rest of that stuff okay they rely on certain evidence 
okay if they want to fund something okay and world trauma is really really popular and we you know you know actually i'm kind of come becoming a little bit burnt out with it myself at the moment hearing about it all the time so much but that's a good thing as well okay and that needed to happen i think as a movement um you know embracing something and then getting to implement it on the front line takes you like it takes years and i say about eight out of ten times things fail even if you have really good kind of approach or intervention or evidence that something's working they often fail um so that's kind of one of the four first points but like you know with the trauma stuff you know it's it's more difficult to kind of provide the type of evidence that the people who make the policies want, okay, because they, they, they you know, I don't want to go <laughs> get all kind of, you know, the technical stuff and all, but the, basically the types of research they want are not always there, you know, for, for the intervention and funding it. We know, I suppose, quite conclusively that trauma impacts the person, health outcomes, life, all the rest of that stuff, that, that's fine. But what is the answer to that, okay? So from that perspective, you know, that's probably something that needs to be addressed um, and I know there's, you know, there is different levels of work being done on that, okay? Um, I, I think there's a great argument for kind of, you know, embracing trauma-informed care, but also embracing it from a social determinants of health perspective, because that's, you know, you're going to speak to these people as well with that type of language. Um, and that's really kind of where, where it has to go. But look at, you know, it, it, again, that's kind of back to political questions. Um, Oh, I don't have the answer for that. And anyway, yeah. um, you, you know, that's well, I suppose the more people talking about it, the more people discussing it, like in these podcasts and stuff like that, that it might filter to that to that system. And hopefully, you know, we have somebody that goes into that into that um, um, a TD or something that might have been trauma, you know, traumatized himself and, and kind of come out the other side and might see the value in it you know because i think it's really valuable mm. i think ballymun needs the i think ballymun is working towards but you know you know i look forward to see how that grows you know so i just wanted to you know just say just to wrap it up but um if there's anything else you want to add yeah i'll just i'll just finish on this because it's like you know change happens and change is embraced really slowly so we're not going to have turn around overnight and just have a policy that you know, Ireland is going to be trauma informed, and here's the resource and service. So this is about tipping away at it, and it's often about kind of you know you know just tapping into what's working well. You know, is there a service that's working well here? Can we can we latch this in here, and then build on that? Okay, mm-hmm. and that's really how implementation is done. It's not going to just happen a big committee and you know everything. It's you know it's 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 a it's a, it's a longer process. It's a process yeah. The other piece that I would say I was working with Wales. Wales have gone trauma informed Wales. Okay, I I I presented at a conference. Um, um, about a year or so ago, with a, with a chief superintendent from the the, the constabulary police or police force, and I, that was just mad for me. Me and him were given the uh, on trauma informed, but particularly on leadership. Leadership's integral to this. Okay, leadership's what's going to drive it. Um, but they've kind of been working over the last few years, and they have a trauma informed Wales now. Scotland are kind of similar. Okay, so there's places out there we can learn from. But it needs to be, you know, there's a huge amount of work that needs to go into that. There's a huge amount of resources that need to go into that. And it's not always about money, but money does help, Mm -hmm. okay? But it's about kind of, you know, getting the right people in the right positions that are going to drive what it is you're talking about, okay? Um, And if they're passionate, you know, you know, you know, you will get there. But it's a big, it's a, it's a, it's it's going to be a big, big process, okay? Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, so just again, um, really valued listening to you as I always do. Um, you know, you really come across really well, and you know, me knowing you as a young boy and growing up together <laughs> in this community, uh, getting chased by the police all over the parish. Yeah, uh, um, who'd have thought? What? Um, but yeah, no, I'm really privileged to have um, you know done this podcast with you, and you know, That's hope our listeners get something out of it. And you know, if you do need to contact us or contact me around trauma, feel free. Um, the Easy Street team over in the Access Building. Um, if this kicks up anything for anybody, please um, reach out, ask somebody for help. Um, I know Daryl. Um, I'll probably link a few things that Daryl has done to the podcast and his, his, his website and stuff like that. He does a lot of work around trauma and educating people around trauma and supporting people around trauma. So um, I'll just link a few of them things to the podcast. But yeah, again, Daryl, thanks so much and uh, proud no of you, brother. Fair play to you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. Pleasure. This is Ken's story. I'm 37 and I am in recovery. I grew up in Ballymun and was one of five children. We were raised by a mother after my father tragically passed away when I was young. I lived a pretty normal life, going to school and hanging out with my friends. My two greatest interests at the time were horses and bikes. I started drinking when I was 16. We used to get a few cans and drink them in the fields away from watchful eyes. What started off as a bit of fun soon turned into a regular habit, especially at the weekend. I began drinking more and more as I couldn't handle the hangovers. As a result, by the time I was 20, I was drinking every day. This continued unabated for quite a number of years with disastrous consequences. My mental and physical health began to gradually deteriorate. I was suffering from bouts of psychosis and I was constantly depressed. My relationship with my family, my kids and others were extremely strained and I got to the stage where I couldn't hold down a job for any longer than a few days, if at all. At my family's request, I started attending a counsellor, but even this was short-lived as I was doing it to appease others. It eventually got to a point where I hit my proverbial rock bottom and went to St. Vincent's Hospital for help. I also was attending the Matter and Bowman Hospital for liver problems and I started taking antibiotics. I realised that if I continued to drink, I was not going to see 40 and with the great support and encouragement from my family and friends and local services in the community, I turned a corner both in my mind as well as my behaviours. It was definitely not easy at the start, but with perseverance and the unstinting support I had, I gradually began to find my feet. Today life is so different. I am stronger than myself and have mended and improved many of my relationships with my family and friends. In addition, I have taken to sport like a duck to water. I am regularly running, cycling and immersing myself in the icy cold waters for a swim around the Dublin coast. I am also working full-time now and feeling the positive physical and mental benefits of abstinence. I have also established a positive outlook on life. It would be wrong to sugarcoat recovery as I still have my ups and downs but even on my worst day, alcohol does not cross my mind. I would appeal to those who are struggling or battling with their substance use to seek help. There is, in my experience, plenty of help in the community. Recovery is possible if you put your mind to it, but it has to come from yourself and before yourself. 
I appreciate that it's not easy and that you're abiding thought in alcohol and or drug use, maybe that you can't do it, but I am living proof it can be done.